After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah Rosh Chodesh. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Selections that Ohad performed at the uh, incredible Let There Be Light concert of Jewish Unity in Paris on Wednesday night. Madua, that was quite a selection. It's quite a performance. It was quite a night. It was a night that um, our listeners, uh, based on the reaction, have taken great pride in, and people around the world have recognized. And I thank you so much for that. You can't imagine. Friday morning broadcast before Ohad, you heard Schlockrock's My Menorah, the Weinrub Brothers with Me'en Alam Haba, Hanera Talal, done by the Y.U. Maccabees, Ma'oz Tzor off of Achenu, and of course Regesh, 
Modaani opening things up, and we say good morning. And we say happy Chanukah and Chag Urim Sameach and Afrelech and Chanukah and wish everybody a wonderful Shabbos Chanukah. In fact, it's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Chanukah beginning tonight. How do you like that? Friday morning on this December the 11th, the 29th of Kislev, fifth day of Chanukah, and it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Mikates with candle lighting time at 4.09 on this Erev Shabbos, 4.09 in the New York area. So I guess most people would light the Chanukah candles around 4, or maybe a drop earlier than that. And then 4.09 is a Shabbos candle lighting time. On this era of Shabbos, 50 degrees as the mild weather in this area continues with 80% humidity, winds are calm, partly cloudy, a high 62. Then tonight, partly cloudy with a low temperature of 48. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high 65 degrees. You wish a lime at 61 and sunny uh, here in Jersey City, 50 degrees on a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. 25 minutes before 7 o'clock on this Friday broadcast. I want to thank everybody. Um, the staff of JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network put in an incredible effort to really get everything uh, in order for this Hanukkah week. And it is wonderful to be back, and it's great to be reunited with the Siegel family and all of you here in New York and New Jersey. Um, a lot of hard work went into this entire week, and I thank uh, Matas Wangas and Mayor Ferdig, who sat in, Monday and uh, Tuesday during our JM&AM Hanukkah celebration programs. Uh, I want to thank, um, want to thank uh, ZK and Avrami and everybody else who behind the scenes were coordinating so much here in the U.S. for our Wednesday and Thursday shows. And of course our engineer Stan who was brilliant as usual. And the entire staff, everybody who, uh, both of the JM&AM radio program and the Nahum Siegel Network uh, who put in so much work, so much time, so much effort for a um, a really historic week of broadcasting. Hanukkah has a great history. Hanukkah week has a great history. Now we have made Hanukkah week even more historical as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Jewish community of Paris, and I think uh, this was really felt all... Yesterday I was interviewed, I was still in the hotel in, uh, in Paris, I was interviewed by a newspaper in uh, London, and I think this was felt all over Europe. I think this was felt all over Europe. Uh, I, I think Israel took great pride in what was going on, especially since the artists came from Israel. And here in the United States, my gosh, what a reaction from our listeners, from our friends around the country, from people who are following it, from people who are a part of the inner circle and outer circle of all the uh, people from the uh, United States delegation who flew to Paris, some just for a few hours to be there. What an incredible and amazing Roshem. What an international impression was made uh, by this international statement of Jewish unity. It is great to be back here on a Friday morning broadcast. We'll do our regular Friday morning show. Rabbi Yudin coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Malcolm Holmline will join us for the weekly update about an hour from now. We'll check in with Rabbi Pearl hopefully before 9 a.m. because the big Chabad telethon is happening on, uh, on Sunday night. So we'll get some uh, comments from him. And then, of course, Naomi Nachman at 9 a.m. and our friends from Kedem present the uh, Erev Shabbos music mix coming up starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. So there is plenty to talk about, a lot to reflect on. Uh, this is a um, an initiative that has got this Jewish Unity Initiative that has gone to Europe, has been a success, 
And it is one we take now with even greater pride. It is no longer just a concept to bring it to our brothers and sisters in Europe. It is now a reality. And based on the phone conversation that I had minutes before taking off yesterday from Paris with Rabbi Sabag, the rabbi of the great synagogue, the grand synagogue of Paris, where we were Wednesday night in the main sanctuary, and what was transformed into an incredible Hanukkah celebration experience. According to him, we we made Hanukkah for the Parisian Jews. And we brightened up an area of the world that really needed it. And people have been approaching him. I spoke to him again just minutes ago before JM and the AM. People have been approaching him countless times since the performances on Wednesday night to thank him and to and to uh, to tell him what this has done for the um, Parisian Jewish community. And he said that this will, this effect will last for many, many years. What a feeling. What an incredible feeling. 21 minutes before 7 o'clock, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. It's Erev Shabbos Chanukah. And it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Mikates. And you're listening to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Oh 
J.M. in the A.M. Shir of Shvacha. Um, Haverim volume number two with, uh, Sheves, actually Sheves Haverim with Shira Shvacha off of Sheves Haverim volume number two. Before that, Yaeli Greenfeld with Zay, heard Baruch Levine by Hebeshurin. Shal Shelesh Jr. had Al Hanisim. Itzik Dadya with that Miadir. I re- I've played his music before, but, uh, had never seen him live in concert till this past Wednesday night in Paris. Really amazing voice. Friday morning, it's JM in the AM on this Erev Shabbos Chanukah, Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, Erev Shabbos Parshas Mikates, fifth day of Chanukah, and we get to wish you from here, from the New Jersey, New York area, a Chag Chanukah Sameach, Chag Urim Sameach, a Freilich in the Chanukah, a happy Chanukah. Wonderful to be reunited with everybody on this side of the world after our incredible journey to Europe and the Jewish Unity Initiative, which has proven to be, based on the reaction, an absolute success with an indelible and incredible impression made worldwide when it comes to the concept of Jewish unity, and I thank you all for that. Candle lighting at 4.09, which means Hanukkah candles. Before that, keep that in mind for later today. Partly cloudy with a high of 62. We're at 50 degrees right now. Mazel tov to Eliezer Bloom of Flatbush celebrating his bar mitzvah this Shabbos. Eliezer Bloom, mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. A lot of wonderful people listening out there in different parts of the country and different parts of the world, and I thank you all for checking us out on the NSN app, and for being with us on a Friday morning broadcast. means a lot to me. Our, our, um, our weekly update with Malcolm Honline is coming up. That's going to be happening at about 7.40 Eastern time this morning. Rabbi Yudin, of course, and plenty more. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Gali Tzal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Check in with our Pearl this hour in the 7 o'clock hour about the Hanukkah Telethon coming up on Sunday. And um, a big thank you. Matis and Mayer, who are here in studio, the incredible staff of JM and the AM. Avrami and ZK behind the scenes over here doing a lot of work as we were there with a team of five people in Europe uh, presenting the shows and coordinating everything on that end. So a big thank you to the JMAM staff, to the Nachum Siegel Network staff for an amazing job during a very, very historic week. Chanukah. Historic, as we know, in the annals of Jewish history. And this week for us became historic. As the rabbi of the great synagogue of Paris told me, the after effects of what we have done this week will be felt in Europe for many years to come. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. צהל השעה שתיים, שבת שלום, חנוכה שמח, כאן ערן אליקים, עם מה שקורה עכשיו. גל הטרור, ניסיון פיגוע דריסה, סמוך לצומת חלחול, מוקדם יותר ירה פלסטיני לעבר מעבר גלבוע בצפון השומרון, בשני האירועים אין נפגעים. כתבנו אינבל תמיר. בצומת חלחול צפונית לחברון ניסה פלסטיני לדרוס כמה חיילים שעמדו במקום, החיילים שלא נפגעו ירו בו והרגו אותו. מוקדם יותר פלסטינים פתח בירי לעבר מעבר גלבוע בצפון השומרון והאבטחים של משרד הביטחון ירו בו אך הוא נמלט מהמקום לא היו נפגעים ישראלים באירוע שני ילדים מהנגב נפגעו בינוני וקל לאחר שככל הנראה שאפו גז כתבנו רמי שני 
הילדים היו בבית הוריהם שהוסק ככל הנראה בלי עברו מספק. הם שאפו אל קרבם גזים רעילים של אמצעי העסקה שהופעל במבנה. שני הילדים, ילדה בת ארבע וילד בן שבע חשו ברע. בני משפחותיהם לקחו אותם לחבירה עם צוות של מגן דוד אדום באמבולנס שהביא אותם לבית החולים סורוקה בבאר שבע. רוכבת אופנוע בת 34 נפצעה קשה בתאונת דרכים בדרך חיים קוליץ בירושלים. מחקירה ראשונית של המשטרה עולה כי ככל הנראה הרוכבת איבדה שליטה והחליקה. כתבנו רום ליאור מדווח כי היא פונתה לבית החולים הדסה עין כרם. תושב לוד נפצע באורח קל עד בינוני לאחר שככל הנראה נורה ברגלו. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת כי איש הגיע באופן עצמאי לבית החולים אסף הרופא בצריפין. נסיבות האירוע נבדקות. נשיא רוסיה ולדימיר פוטין אומר כי הורה לצבא הרוסי לפעול בקשיחות קיצונית בסוריה. כתבת חדשות החוץ, נועם דהן. באירוע של משרד הביטחון במוסקבה אמר פוטין, יש להשמיד כל יעד בסוריה המאיים על הכוחות או המוסדות הרוסים באזור. במקביל שר ההגנה של רוסיה הצהיר כי מטוסי קרב רוסים ביצעו 4,000 גיחות בשמי סוריה. פקיסטן טוענת כי ערכה ניסוי בטילים בליסטיים שיכולים לשאת ראשי נפץ גרעיניים. הטילים יכולים להגיע לכל שטחה של הודו ולחלקים רבים מהמזרח התיכון. לדברי צבא פקיסטן הניסוי נועד לבדוק את עיצוב הטיל. התחזית ירידה בטמפרטורות, במוצאי שבת ייתכן שלג קל בחרמון, בראשון תורגש עוד התקררות. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב בצוות לירון אמיר ועדי קורן.
I think he's originally from Paris, isn't he, Isaac Bitone? I believe so. It's one of the things that came to my mind to mention over the last couple of days, and I don't know, when it came time to mention it, I forgot about it. Isaac Bitone with Vitomer uh, Dai. Jew 2 with Ami Yisrael Chai, her Menachem Levi, and bring out the light on this Erev Shabbos Hanukkah, Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh at JM in the AM. Great to be back in studio here in Jersey City as we uh, uh, come off of an amazing and incredible journey to Paris that included the Jewish Unity Initiative, Let There Be Light, Concert of Jewish Unity on Wednesday night. Just amazing. Rabbi Anshul Pearl is with us live via telephone. Sunday he'll be live via telethon. <laughs> He claims this is going to be the best of all of the Hanukkah telethons. He claims this is going to be the absolute best one. Could you imagine? Rabbi Anshul Pearl, Chabad of Mineola, ready for the Chabad, uh, ready for the Hanukkah telethon, rather, this coming Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, uh, Nachum. It's good to be back, and uh, many, many people are excited, looking forward to joining us and Certainly, there's no great way to celebrate Zeus Hanukkah by joining on this worthy cause and, and helping us uh, during this Hanukkah telephone. You know, I asked you this last time, and it's worth repeating. Um, why is it that people have taken to this cause? Why is it that they see the work that you do, they realize it's the holiday of Hanukkah, a uh, holiday of uh, great generosity and gifts and, and wonderful spirit in our community? Why is it that all this comes together and people make this a successful telethon for you? I think that everybody can identify uh, when they look at their own menorahs in their own home, that's Baruch Hashem, that's wonderful. But there are many, many families and many individuals who find themselves in locations uh, physically and spiritually where the menorah light has yet to, to reach. And by joining us, people feel that they're become, they are really truly, uh, we got, it's not a, a one-man show, this is a truly the effort of many, many people, and we all become together partners in helping to bring this bracha to so many, so many people. Isn't it amazing to you how many people around the country and really around the world, because obviously the telethon's going to be on the internet and people can see it from everywhere, how they respond and take an interest in what you're doing in this region, uh, you know, from thousands of miles away? I, I think that they, there's something, there's a common theme that we all have and that we all care for each other. It doesn't matter. The geographical boundaries are not, uh, that doesn't limit us from being able to reach out, especially during the difficult time that we live in today. There's a tremendous feeling of, of uh, wanting to identify, to have that achdus, especially in the year of Hakel, where we all assemble ourselves, not only ourselves, but collectively, to make a difference for everybody. And, uh, and Baruch Hashem, to be in that position, to have the shlifis, is, is, is a tremendous responsibility and appreciation to Hashem for this. No, no question about it. Rabbi Anshul Pearl is with us. Hanukkah Telethon begins 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday night. All right. Uh, number one, people can watch it at HanukkahTelethon.com, right? Easy enough. That's number one. Secondly, 
There are many television outlets that are going to have it, correct? Correct. It's Cablevision uh, Channel 138. That's called the JBS, formerly the Shalom TV. You know it everywhere. It's on Fios number 6, Time Warner Station, 2291 in the city, Comcast, DirecTV. And it's all listed on our uh, website directly where they can go. Or they can do, like you say, can do the live streaming directly from HanukkahTelephone.com anywhere and, in the world. And people can even donate now if they wanted to. Absolutely, can call right in right away. Make sure it's in before Shabbos, of course, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'll be able to get your name out on there. And but again, in advance, thank you to you and to everybody who with the Shem will be there. We look forward to having you, Nachum, to be our MC. And we're going to be actually hearing some game-changing stories, some personal testimonies of individuals. Uh, one one young man is going to reveal how. He was two years old. I made a promise to his mother. She was dying at the Winthrop Hospital, and I would make sure he would be bar mitzvah because his father wasn't Jewish. Wow. And it took, well, it took 29 years for this to happen, and he will reveal what happened in his life with Baruch Hashem, where he is today. And many other personal stories like that will be... <sighs> Will be part of this great Hanukkah telephone. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And 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 uh, the Frisch School Jazz Band and David Gabay and Canton Tunnel Hirschstick and of course the great King of Schlock Lenny Solomon and many others. Steve Bill and the Shama Orchestra are all going to be part of it this coming Sunday night, starting at seven p.m. until eleven o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, it's always a lot of fun, Raya Pearl. Has uh, there's I don't know those dancing rabbis for some reason they know how to pick up everybody's spirits. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely, the Pella Singers, the dancing rabbis. Oh, that's right. The, right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The Pella Singers and many others. Uh, we've been mentioning them. A uh, whole list of great uh, performers who are going to be part of it. And, of course, everybody's invited to participate, and we encourage you to do so. 7 o'clock, Sunday night, HanukkahTelethon.com, HanukkahTelethon.com. Rabbi Pearl, God bless you. A happy Hanukkah. Enjoy Shabbos Hanukkah. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thank you so much to you and to all your listeners. Thank you. There he is, HanukkahTelethon.com, Rabbi Anshul Pearl. At JM in the AM. 20 minutes after 7 o'clock on a Friday morning. It's day 5 of Chanukah on this Erev Shabbos. Chanukah, Erev Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Teves will be both Shabbos and Sunday. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Miketz with candle lighting at 4.09 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.09 on this Erev Shabbos. As you know, uh, there are certain mornings where we take an opportunity to study the book of Avas Chesed of the Chavetz Chaim. This is in memory of my mother that we do this, Esther Basar Yosef Halevi. And the Chavetz Chaim writes in the book Avas Chesed, Literally, the love of loving kindness, the love of doing chesed for somebody. If someone promised to lend someone a specific amount of money, he must be careful, very careful, not to renege on his promise, since that is just like any other commitment to perform a mitzvah, as stated in Yeridea. It's forbidden to renege on one's commitment to do a mitzvah. The Chavetz Chaim is, uh, is emphasizing that if one has designated a specific amount and has promised a specific amount to somebody, it's careful, one must be careful not to renege on that promise. Um, if he knows the borrower understood him as committing to a firm pledge and it's appropriate to be careful in this regard and extend the loan in order not to be included in the category of people who do not do as they say. So too, if he set aside or verbally swore to take a specified amount of money and use it to do a kindness to someone, it is forbidden to renege on that oath. The words of the Chavetz Chaim and Avas Chesed, L'Zecher Nishmas, in memory of Esther Basar Yosef Alevi, my beloved mother, on this Erev Shabbos Chanukah here at JM in the AM. More coming up. Keep it here on an Erev Shabbos Chanukah at JM in the AM. (laughs) 
Saying halal all through the week for the uh, holiday of Hanukkah and for an additional reason starting tonight. Rosh Chodesh begins tonight. It's Erev Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Teves. Erev Shabbos, Hanukkah, Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Miketz. Candle lighting at 4.09. Make sure to light those Hanukkah candles before that. Partly cloudy with a high temperature of 62 on a Friday morning broadcast here at JMNAM. Big thank you to everybody who had such wonderful things to say about our Jewish Unity Initiative and the week that we spent in Europe, both broadcasting and with the Wednesday night performance at the Great Synagogue in Paris. Wonderful reaction. It's much appreciated. The rabbi of the Great Synagogue said to me yesterday, right before I left, that the effects of this evening and of this week will be felt in Europe for many, many years, which was an incredible thing to hear. JM in the AM with candle lighting at 4.09. Three Torahs tomorrow. Yes, a rarity. Three Torahs because it is uh, Shabbos, Hanukkah, and Rosh Chodesh. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, and welcome back to you, Monsieur. <laughs> Thank you, Monsieur. That's a very important initiative. Although I'm not sure what he says that the effect will be felt for a long time, but that uh, well, he was is, uh, had a very great resonance. Well, I'm going right? to I'm going to I'm going to comment on that if you don't mind because I, I learned this uh, the first day we were there at the Jewish Quarter, just speaking to people randomly. Uh, I think what he meant was as follows: you know, when when things go um, in a negative fashion, unfortunately, and uh, in Israel, and people, uh, our brothers and sisters in Israel, are. You know, in a very tense situation, as uh, one could describe the situation today, frankly. Um, when they get solidarity visits from anywhere in the world, including North America, maybe especially North America, they expect it. 
They expected when you walk in, and you know this firsthand. You walk in the streets of Jerusalem and say, "Yeah, I'm here just to, you know, you're the shopkeeper, you're the guy in the street, you're the cab driver. We're here just to express our brotherhood and solidarity." They get it, and they've seen it a million times. When we're in the Jewish quarter in France, in Paris, telling people we are here just to give you strength, just to, you know, bring this message, they are shocked. They are they they, they outside of Israel. What other Jewish community gets that type of treatment? Ever feels that? So I think that's what the rabbi meant, that that this mm-hmm. gesture of coming together, celebrating... Oh, absolutely. Together. Yeah. I, I know from our experience and our going when the Jews of Paris were under siege in the past and after Toulouse incident, and we keep in touch regularly with them, that's absolutely right. And so people understand when we go, sometimes when, immediately when there's a crisis, it's because that's when people need you. They need to see you not just during the good times, but when things are tough and, and visits slow down, and most of all applies to Israel. Oh, 100%, 100%. It was so interesting. I'm checking out of the hotel, and I asked just out of curiosity, you know, what are the reservations like for the rest of the month? You'd figure, you know, it's holiday season. People are heading. She says to me, you cannot imagine, sir, how many people have canceled. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I said, wow, in Israel, we've seen this so many times. Not that it makes it easier, obviously. But this is, and this is unfortunately, and again, I'm not here to promote tourism to Paris, but unfortunately, this is where terrorism does win, right? We know that the, we know in the end, the good guys are going to win. And the one above is watching over us to make sure that happens. But this is the collateral damage that, you know, the, the, the smaller victories that unfortunately these terrorists have because these activities are noteworthy. Absolutely, it's it's uh, it's one of the main targets because tourism beyond the economic impact, it's the psychological impact, it's the secondary and tertiary impact. It's the people who work in the industry and those who supply to the industry and those who do the support work for those who supply in the industry. It has a ripple effect in the whole economy, and it's the psychological impact of seeing empty stores. We know in New York when you see stores yeah. closing down in periods of economic downturn, how that impacts your whole impression of the city and the mood in the city, let alone crime and other things. No com- no question about it. And the other thing i got to mention, the balance. And again, because of the history and because of the great pride, and you know Europe is different than other areas of the world, something we, we are not used to, and I'm only now a drop more used to, uh, the, the great pride that the Jewish community has in both being French and Jewish, right? Two different things fusing together. And it's just, it, it is so hard now for the common person there to continue to strike that balance. They are feeling so much less French because of the situation there, and we'll speak about the politics in a minute. And, of course, they're being pulled in other directions to leave, to go to Israel. So it's like at one point you're getting this strong message about how incredible this community is, and that's why we went to celebrate the Jewish community of Paris. And, again, on the other side, you're feeling the alienation that they are feeling from you know their French brethren, so to speak. It is such a difficult balance for them to keep over there. I don't think that they're being pulled, meaning that people are there encouraging them. I think they're being pushed into a large degree to think about the future and, you know, what place they will have in France in a few years as the numbers keep shifting and as the crime, and a lot of it unreported, and, and we have relatives and others who who have uh, gone through the transition from moving from one place to the other it, within uh, Paris, in the, uh, the greater Paris, and moving into the city only to be accosted by the same anti-Semitic manifestation at the school that they went to. Yeah. Um, there is a, there is, and this is a concern that is growing across Europe. Yeah, no question about it. 
And then, of course, you know, what to do. I, I, as I'm listening to Jew and non-Jew speak to us about the situation there, I say to myself, my mother left Germany in 1938. And that was uh, her family's very smart decision, as we know. And that well, My mother left in 38 also from Germany. But I think, you know, the, the situation, we never draw comparisons to show it's different, but you have to look at the motivating factors. You look at the trends. You look at, at things, and you see very disturbing signs that remind us of events in the past and should be a warning to us about events today, and it's not because we're trying to wrap around, and it's not depressing. You know, how many years ago I said that there's no f- future for Jews in Europe, just from a demographic period by a point of view. You just look at the numbers. You can't look at anything else to understand what the differential in the birth rates are and in the age dispersion, and yeah. now you added a million people to, to, to Germany alone yeah. whose birth rate will be double, maybe triple that of the native German population that the, the uh, population disparity will continue to grow. And mm-hmm. this this makes, not because the, those people are, are, you can't live with them, but because of the dislocation, because they're not being integrated in society, and the younger members are being radicalized. Yeah. And a significant, you know, studies done of this, these migrant populations show that a significant percentage of those coming from Syria, et cetera, bear anti-Semitic attitudes and uh, certainly anti-Israel attitudes. Which led, uh, because of the elections this week, uh, in France, which led to someone say to me, you know, as a Jew, I feel so much more alienated from both sides. On one side, the pro-Islamic or the Islamic uh, sympathizing side, however you want to put it, and then on the other end of the spectrum, of course, the extreme right, who had quite a victory this week, wouldn't you say? Uh, well, the extreme right uh, had uh, important victories, and in, in a number of places, they are moving towards elections where the reaction to the immigration issue and to the economic conditions could yield uh, a growing uh, influence of the right. Le Pen won in some of the local elections. Right, that was the one but, that was most significant to them. And and yet, you know, people don't know that, that for a while already, Le Pen has headed a far-right coalition within the European Parliament that's almost 25% of the seats. Wow. And the the um, possibility now for the first time that that she could actually become a serious candidate, or whatever, uh, in you know it's it's still speculative, but that is being taken with much greater seriousness. No question about that. Um, and, and one of our commenters, I guess because it's Arab Shabbos Hanukkah, people get into a mood like this. Uh, one of our commenters on the app says, world events are so depressing, I have no question for Malcolm, just hoping for inspiration. That led me, as a follow-up to what we discussed last week, to mention about this pot shard that they're talking about from the Byzantine era that has an image of a Hanukkah, of, or I should say of a menorah of the Beit HaMikdash on it. I'm sure you saw that story, and I just I always feel the need to toss that in, especially as we start the show with what might be more depressing news. Well, I just want to tell you, you know, that, that there were several discoveries, and we don't always have time to talk about it. Right. But to me, I think it's the most important news that we can communicate. There, there was a group of uh, high school students who were in um, Adulam Park just now, and they were from the Handasayim Herzliya High School, and they found three coins this past week, minted during the rule of King Alexander Janaeus, who was a Hashmonoi king in the first century BCE. They were just walking there, and Dafka, this, they should now find those coins. Sitting there for how many, for, for 2,000 years plus, 
and now it would come to 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 things. So if people don't understand that there is a message that they found for the first time the seal of uh, uh, of King Hezekiahu. It's twenty seven hundred years old. It's from the time of Shlomo Melech, and and it, it was it's the first time ever such a thing was found at an archaeological excavation. If you want to turn your kids on, explain to them what the significance, and, and not only that, the, the thing itself bears um, uh, certain designs. Uh, it's too complicated to go into, and I'm certainly not uh, an archaeological expert. But believe <laughs> At me, this point, you're pretty close to it. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that uh, I mean, this was a descendant of, of David HaMelech, he, he, of King David, it's mentioned in in uh, Malachim Beis in Kings two in uh, Yeshayahu. It's mentioned in Chronicles, uh, and to, to see and it says on the coin Chizkiyahu that it belongs to Chizkiyahu of the seal, not the coin, uh, Bula, right. son of Ahaz, king of of uh, Judah. So, what what more do people want? The president of Israel heard about it, ran there because he wanted to uh, come and see it. And this, you know, follows on the discovery of Akra, the fortress, which is central to the Hanukkah story, discovered in the city of David in the Givati parking lot excavation, where everybody knows in that little parking lot, so much of Jewish history has been uncovered, such amazing things, some of which are not public yet. Man, this is, if, if anybody doesn't get this message, I, I, they are blind. That is for sure. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live. From the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Big thank you to our friends at OnlySimplas.com for highlighting all of our uh, material over the last week. Uh, as part of their amazing brand new news section. A big thank you to our friends at jewishworldreview.com. You can check out their incredible a number of articles on these and so many other topics when you go to their website before Shabbos and print them out and enjoy. Uh, we should mention that, uh, according to the news this morning, an Arab motorist attempted to ram his vehicle into an IDF sold, into IDF soldiers conducting security checks at the Hilhul Junction near Hebron on Friday. He was shot and killed at the scene. No Israelis wounded. Beforehand, a gunman fired shots toward Israeli security forces at the Golboa crossing between North and West Bank and Israel on Friday. The attacker approached a checkpoint, fired the shots from several dozen meters using a long-barreled firearm. I mention this, Malcolm, because, um, and unfortunately too many people predicted this, uh, certainly we here outside of Israel, but, it, it, but to an extent I think you would agree, in Israel itself, uh, they have gotten uh, used to and immune to these daily attacks. And I think it's important for us, especially if we speak only once a week, that we point out what's going on in Israel and just how these attacks continue. And, I, again, I know that sometimes I you know, throw my hands up as I ask the question about what Israel and its authorities can do, But I just, and I guess it's not our role here to discuss that or figure out their security concerns and their security actions. But I just, I feel the need to remind everybody that our brothers and sisters in Israel continue to go through all this tension on a daily basis. Well, I'm sure everybody by now reads the dailyalert.org, and we continue in there to put a summary of the attacks, that people not become accustomed to it and not think that this is the way it should be or it has to be, and to remind them that there are people, victims, all the time. We don't read about them unless they're, God forbid, uh, you know, uh, fatalities or yeah. there's, 
you know, really serious injuries, but the, the attempts and the fact that you have uh, several things each day, uh, you know, there, there was these four soldiers who, who were wounded in the car ramming. That was uh, Wednesday. Pardon me? Wednesday, I think, right? On, on was it Wednesday? Thursday, I'm sorry. Thursday. Thursday. And uh, and then a, a, another car ramming with an individual uh, in um, uh, an attack also in the, in the Udun Shomron, and you had uh, uh, others near Hebron. So you do have attempts going on. Thank God the military is now deployed and, and being very, very effective and taking out the targets uh, when they pose these threats. But it's, you're right. We cannot become uh, regularized, and we see that that the uh, Abbas's incitement continues. That at the meeting that they had of uh, you know the Palestinian um, Council, uh, that that he you know he continues to resign, and he talks all about uh, things. But he continues the attacks, and he continues the line about Al-Aqsa being under siege, which is being cited by the people carrying out these attacks. They're not doing it because of settlements. No one mentions it. They're doing it, they say, because they're there to defend Al-Aqsa because it's under siege and the Israelis are trying to do things, which we all know is not true. You know that they caught 4,000 dolls wearing kafiyas being trying to be smuggled in to, to Israel to, to, the, to the territories where the faces are covered and they're holding rocks. That they're teaching little children that this is the model. And uh, there are some that were even worse, from what I understand. But but they they talk about the constant attempts to bring in the, these kind of things as part of their propaganda war that people you know don't follow. And 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 at the same time, we see what's happening in Gaza, where where uh, Hamas is allowing people to go back to to carry out attacks near the border, and Hamas and and Islamic uh, um, IS are are actually meeting and have come up with common uh, strategies to smuggle, they smuggle uh, wounded uh, people from IS from the Sinai into Gaza. They smuggle money and weapons out, and, and through Egypt, IS helps Hamas smuggle uh, large amounts of money, but also weapons, and they help get weapons into the Sinai. So you see it coming together of the terrorist elements, and the true nature comes uh, comes out clearly, and, and and as they said, that they had a planned an attack against they wrote in, in the war during 2014, and that 60 terrorists were in fact, I mean, it was confirmed, we discussed it at the time, because there were reports to that effect, but here you have now military uh, officials coming out and, and verifying what the real intent was at the time. It's funny, because, you know, to, to many of us, there's always been an alliance between Hamas, ISIS, and you know anybody else you want to throw into the group. But as you always remind us, they don't always have a common enemy, and they don't, they don't always have common goals, although to us it always seems it is one common goal. That's right, and while they can be Sunni Shiite and have a lot of other differences, different backers, they have uh, common goals and aspirations when it comes to Israel. Hey, I read that the uh, UN had its first international day for victims of genocide. That happened for the first time, right? Do you know if the, do you know if the Jewish... World was acknowledged on that day. I'm just curious, like, because I know that you're sometimes uh, either supportive or against some of these ceremonial things that happen at the UN. You have any idea if it was, 
even acknowledged about the the Jewish contribution to being victims of genocide over the centuries? And that the word genocide was an invention of a Jewish man, Lemkin. Um, no, I did not. And uh, there was an important day there. That was the the commemoration of the 850,000 at least Jews who were made refugees, reminding them that there's another refugee uh, population, and we had a really very meaningful uh, program. Minister Gamliel came, and of course Ambassador Danny Danone, and I had the privilege to speak there. And and uh, it, oh, that was the one right before Hanukkah, right? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a forgotten population, uh, and one the U.N. Um, is sort of incongruous doing it at the U.N., which certainly doesn't recognize and only talks about one Jewish population. Right. Hey, some people are getting frustrated with Donald Trump, even some people in the Jewish community who are very enthusiastic about him. Uh, what do you think of his statements regarding people from Islamic countries coming to the United States, and what do you think of the fact that he canceled his trip to Israel? Look, I think it was uh, probably better for both. Uh, Netanyahu came out against what uh, he said, but did say that you know he, earlier that he would meet any presidential candidate that came and right. would not uh, renege on his uh, the commitment to meet with uh, Trump. Uh, I think he handled it uh, as best he could in that circle. You know, it's an impossible circumstance to be in, but he I thought he handled his response to it was appropriate and. Uh, you know, part of the problem is that the, the controversy that is engendered by his comments then obs- uh, obscures and, and diverts attention from the real crisis, the real issue yeah. of the ISIS people on the move, the people coming into the United States and all over, carrying passports, the movement. And, you know, we were given to, to believe that ISIS's recruitment uh, has suffered. And, in fact... Their number doubled in the past year, according to, to an extensive study by the Sufan Group, and most of them are coming from places like Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, you know, uh, Turkey, Jordan. Uh, but you're still getting from Europe. The number of Europeans supposedly doubled, even though the recruitment has uh, slowed down because of the, the more difficulties they have in getting through in Turkey. But uh, since June of of, of, 19, uh, of 2014, you've had this very uh, significant increase, and the biggest is from Russia and Central Asia, you have a 300% increase in the number of recruits, these young people coming. And the United States Intelligence did a study at the request of the White House, and it said that, that ISIS will spread worldwide, and unless that they had suffered big losses in Iraq and Syria, uh, they, that they, the progression around the world will increase as well. So while they suffered losses, and while they, you know, they're being bombed, they're not being defeated, and they have moved, as I reported, I think last week, or may have, that they've opened up in in Libya, with 5,000 right. people have gone there from ISIS, and they, and this is on the Mediterranean, it's the closest point to Europe, they have oil income that they can, they uh, derive from there, they have other benefits, but also it's a great staging ground, so no one should write them off. And, and believe, uh, uh, you know, in the city of Ramadi, where all this fighting that we heard this week and over a long period for years, ISIS has a total of three to 400 people holding this provincial capital <laughs> versus, you know, perhaps 10,000 Iraqi government forces who are trying to, un- to unseat them. And they've had successes. The Iraqis have had some successes. U.S. is backing them. And you have U.S. experts there. But they have, they're holding it with three to 400 people. And so you don't need such big numbers 
for them to succeed. Very scary out there. That's for sure. Israel's advanced Arrow 3 anti-ballistic missile system, according to the New York Times, intercepted a target on Thursday in a region of space just outside the Earth's atmosphere in the first successful test of its kind. The system, jointly developed by the government-owned Israel Aerospace Industries and its subsidiaries and the American Boeing Company, is not yet operational. Now, you have described to us in the past the different Arrow missiles and the different missile systems that Israel has implemented and why these are so important in terms of the security of the state of Israel and, I would guess, any freedom-loving country. Uh, what is so significant about this? What is so different or so advanced about this that it's made the news? The Arrow 3 had a successful uh, missile in, in, in interception, which means that they shoot up a target and it knocked it out. Right. And what's important is that this system targets uh, uh, ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles. And what it does is that it hits it outside the atmosphere, but near the launch site. So if these things carry chemical, biological, or even nuclear warheads, these the missiles that are being launched, they want them to explode nearer and punish the people in, in where it's being launched from and not the target area when you disperse those, those uh, biological or chemical or even uh, obviously a nuclear uh, device uh, and explode the rocket over populated areas obviously it's going to cause significant damage. So the Arrow 3 is trained to to hit it at the beginning. You know, a missile flies on an arc. To hit it at the beginning, closest to the launch site. And, right. and the, the successful test is very important, and Israel is moving ahead. And you know that I know Gulf, uh, some of the Gulf Arab countries want to buy Iron Dome and some of the, the missile systems. This is very important for the U.S. They work together. It's joint development of the total multi-layer uh, for short-range, medium-range, and long-range uh, missiles. Uh, and remember that Iran doesn't need ballistic missiles, in, intercontinental ballistic missiles, to hit Israel. So this is a threat to the U.S., and it's, it's, uh, it's a very important uh, tool in, in the arsenal. And we see that the Russians and the, the uh, Iranians are, you know, developing still and launched a missile last week, uh, this week, this past week, uh, and it's acknowledged by some, though they say they haven't final confirmation, but it was near the Pakistani border. This is the second time in violation of U.N. resolutions. Still no punishment for the first time, which is what led to the second time. And the, the significance of this in terms of how the region uh, sees it, our determination to force Iran to adhere to the group, the report that came out from the IEA, this all-important report that we have discussed uh, December 15th, will lead now to the release of the money, and they will say that they are in compliance, even though they did not cooperate the way they should, that we did not get the PMD, past military developments, which is the base, because if you know what they did before, then you can judge where they've gone and if they are still working at it. If you don't know where they started, then you can't do that. And the um, and I know that people's eyes glaze over when glaze over when you start talking about it, but these this is what this whole battle was about. This is what we're seeing now is um, the, the first steps, and then people will say, well, how did we get to this? And all of a sudden they're going to announce that they're in compliance or it's implementation day, which means that the money, although money has been flowing uh, in smaller amounts, that the big money will start to flow in a, in a short period of time. And then also other restrictions um, get lifted. 
And rather than putting the pressure on Iran, and especially after they do this blatant act, slapping everybody in the face with a missile launch, a second missile launch, we're moving ahead and overlooking some of the apparent violations and and uh, uh, non-cooperation, <laughs> even though they promised all of these things. I'm, so, la- I'm laughing only because it's amazing how, at the same time, that the U.S. is really easing restrictions. That's one way to sum up the whole situation when it comes to the Iran deal: is easing restrictions on them and allowing them to to build, to organize, to you know fire test missiles, etc. At the same time, they're funding the U.S. is helping fund Arrow Three and other you know uh, and other systems of defense against these very same missiles. It's like it's 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 ridiculous when you think about it that in one way they are strengthening Iran and the other way because they're strengthening Iran they have to develop you know systems to make sure to be able to defeat Iran if they you know use those missiles against us you notice that there's a contradiction is that what you're saying <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's so ridiculous the astute observer again of the by the way what happens in Iran when they see the arrow 3 and read the same article i read do they then start to develop an even more sophisticated missile and they look for ways to bypass it, just as Israel is sending people to Greece to train uh, in Greek territory uh, right. against the newly installed S-300 in Iran, and which is the anti-missile defense system that Russia is installing in Iran, which is very sophisticated and advanced, and they asked 400, which is even more advanced, that they put into Syria because it's protecting also their aircraft, and, you know, they took over another... Uh, Air Force Base near Homs not, did not build a new one, which was the initial report, but they took over an existing one and already wanted, the, supposedly there's an Ar- Iranian squadron based there, although there are reports that Iran is, is pulling out some of its key officers because of the losses that they suffered. And um, there were estimates at one time of 7,000 troops. Now the estimates are below 2,000 uh, plus military advisors because of the losses they suffered. But yes, you know, every time somebody has a new advance, you have to look at what the counter advances. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, call it Star Wars, call it uh, an arms race. It's who gets to the finish line first. Basically. Basically. And we know that um, somehow, I keep telling this to people in the next generation, I sound like an old man, but somehow... With the one above looking down, it seems that good usually wins over evil. Sometimes it takes a tremendous cost to get there, as we know. Right. But it, uh, we have to remember that. This is not the first time that an international enemy is being faced. It's different, and because of the era we're in, it's it, you know the, the way it's being fought is very different, but it's not the first time it's been like this. But we can hasten the process by being alert, by being informed, by educating by advocating, by making our voices heard, by keep reminding, and believe me, it's no more frustrating for me when I go to Washington, go to other places and try to, in Europe, and try to get them to pay attention to the things that, you know, are so obvious to us. And now we've had some big changes. The election in Venezuela could be a game changer in terms of Iran's presence, which was based there. And I think Cuba and Iran, I believe, will interfere with this outcome in Venezuela. Um, but uh, but this was a, a popular expression in overthrowing Maduro, who was Chavez's uh, uh, successor, and the election in Argentina and the installation of uh, Macri this week as the new president. Very important developments. South America is ignored by everybody but Iran that has tens of thousands of agents operating there all over in every country up to Mexico and along our border. Yeah. 
and I go ahead and uh, talk about the United States and it's um, uh, you know how at the same time they're building up Iran as they try to defend against Iran. We then read that Palestinian prisoners released and deported to Gaza, Turkey, and Qatar as part of the Shalit deal are organizing their own terrorist cells in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. Not, again, to criticize the Israeli government. They know a lot more than I do about how these deals should work and how they should go down and whether it was worth exchanging, etc. But I feel it's always important to point out that those who are released, uh, it seems, um, many of them, I don't want to say all of them, many of them get involved in terror networks, and in this case, terror networks that are taking place outside of Israel. But tar- against Israel, because yeah. they operate because right. they're banned. Correct. And, and Israel does monitor. Yeah, because Israel thinks, I mean, because again, the impressions throw them out. They're not going to be able to, you know, have much influence. And then you see what happens when they start forming together outside of Israel. And uh, they form and they can create new cells and they can indoctrinate others. But uh, and they are recidivists. There's no doubt. Some of the terrorist attacks that we've seen now were tied to people who who uh, have been released. And and the whole message uh, that that the PA has told young people is: Look, you do it, you get caught, we'll get you out in the next release. In the meantime, your family gets a monthly stipend, etc. That's why the destruction of the houses of those who perpetrate these crimes is so important, and often mm-hmm. criticized and ignored in the West. But there is a value to it, and and the fact that Israel now has taken the preemptive step of when somebody's in the middle of an attack, they, they shoot to, to to neutralize them, and whatever happens happens. But you know they, they get criticized until you find, and the headlines in newspaper will say Palestinian you know killed until you find out that he had a machete in his hand and was stabbing and cutting people's uh, cutting people. Right, understood. All right, Malcolm Homeline, three Torahs tomorrow. It's Shabbos Chanukah. People want a word of hope and inspiration. You know that light, light is the center of this entire holiday. I can only imagine when you combine the Shabbos light with the Hanukkah light, just how incredible a Shabbos it will be. What are your thoughts as we enter this auspicious day? You know what, that there's nowhere does it say who found the one vial of oil that made the, the Pach Shemin, that made the miracle of Hanukkah possible. They don't identify anywhere, not the Gemara, anywhere. It doesn't say who did it. Because that's the real lesson of history, that those who make the miracles possible are not the, those of us whose name appear in the press, etc. It's the people, every one of your listeners, all of those who strive each day, who go to Paris, who the Parisian Jews who stand up against the, the violence, and certainly the people we just talked about from the IDF and from the defense forces, security forces, who every day continue to make the miracle of Israel possible. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sending us the signals, that little coin, that seal, that... It, it's not happenstance. You can't logically explain why for 2,000 years nobody saw those things laying in the park, and all of a sudden now, and why this uh, seal and and the coin that led to the finding of Accra. And uh, I was told yesterday um, that... You know why, one of the explanations why there's eight days of Hanukkah, they said, it, you know, the miracle was for seven days. He said the miracle was that you didn't have everybody rushing to take credit for having found a pile of oil. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Warren Rice to his credit, but it was, um, it's a great insight in the Bart that <laughs> one of the hundreds of explanations about why there's eight days. That's great. I love it. 
Uh, enjoy your Shabbos Hanukkah Rosh Chodesh, and we will uh, reconvene Bezrat Hashem next week. And Thank the you. Listeners so of a podcast, I'll be in California Sunday night. Ooh. Speaking there in LA. So California. Come and they should say hello. Weather's uh, not good enough for you here? Come on. 60 degrees over I, here. I, I spoke in Miami this week. Huh? I was there for about six hours, oh. and the weather in New York was better than Miami. <laughs> there you go. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Happy Hanukkah to everybody. 21 minutes after 8 o'clock, this time each and every Friday morning, every era of Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Miketz. Tomorrow is Shabbos Hanukkah. Tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh, Teves. And therefore, wow, tomorrow is one of those Shabbos Kodak moments. While we can't take the picture down here, take my word for it, the picture is being taken upstairs. And therefore, the first Sefer Torah is going to be where we read the Parsha of Miketz. The second Sefer Torah, we're going to read that for Rosh Chodesh. And the third one, that which is for Hanukkah. A very special moment. And before we get started, let's talk about another very special moment which took place this past Wednesday evening in Paris. All I can say, Nachum, on behalf of all your friends and listeners, is a job well done. You made all of us proud, and indeed, Jews all over the world. And I just want to add just one quick addition to that video that you showed at the very beginning of the concert, whereby Naftali Bennett, the Minister of Diaspora Affairs for the State of Israel, spoke beautifully for two, three minutes in Hebrew, giving chizuk, encouragement, to Jews all over the world, reminding Jews of France, and indeed Jews all over, that they have a home waiting for them, caring for them, from Eretz and in Eretz Yisrael. And he pointed out, Ko Yisrael arevim literally, all Israel is responsible one for another. That is the literal translation. And I'd like to just suggest another explanation of that, as suggested by the Hasidic Rebbe, Reb Naftali of Rapshitz, who said that the word Orev does not only mean a co-signer who's responsible for the one who's taken out the loan, but the word Orev means sweet. Kikolech Orev, as we find in Shira Shirim. Your voice is sweet, says one lover to the next. And here, Ko Yisrael Arevim means in addition that all Israel is to sweeten one another. And that's exactly what happened. By having this wonderful concert at the great synagogue in Paris, bringing together 2,000 people in the audience and so many all over the world, it brought out a sense of sweetness, caring, 
and concern the Jews have for one another. Yashakoach, Nachum, you should go mechayil elchayil, bringing arvus and sweetness to Jews all over the world. Now let's get down to business. This is Shabbos Hanukkah. And so tonight, when we light the menorah, we have to light near Hanukkah before we light near Shabbos. The reason for that is because when women light near Shabbos, they take upon themselves Shabbos. And once they've taken upon Shabbos, challenging to then light the menorah. Hence, we light the menorah first. When we light the menorah tonight, the menorah has to have the capacity to burn minimum of 80 minutes. Where is that coming from? Well, we light candles approximately 20 minutes before sunset. So we're lighting the menorah at least 20 minutes before sunset. Then the candles have to burn from sunset till approximately a half an hour after sunset, which is the proper time for lighting, as we have been doing and will continue to so do after Shabbos. Because at Shabbos we can't light at Shkia. We have to light before. But we can't light the 30 minutes after, which is therefore... 20 before Shkia, 30 taking us from Shkia sunset till night, and then every night it's supposed to go for half an hour, another 30 minutes. 20 and 30 is 50, and 30 more is 80. You cannot use the small colored candles tonight to light near Hanukkah. They will not last 80 minutes. You will not get the mitzvah. Use Shabbos candles or long thin candles or oil, but make sure that there's enough fuel that will go for 80 minutes. Please God, tomorrow night after Shabbos, the practice is as follows. In the synagogue, we light Ner Hanukkah first and then we make Havdalah in Shul. At home, the Ramah says to follow that practice of lighting their Hanukkah first and then Havdalah. Many disagree with the Ramah and say that at home, one should make Havdalah first and then light their Hanukkah. There are sufficient, respectful authorities that go either way. If you have a family tradition, that's what you should do. If not, speak to your local Rav. I'd like to first share with you an interesting thought regarding Hanukkah, and then we'll see how it ties into the parsha as well. The Rambam in chapter 3 of Hilchos Hanukkah, Halacha 3, after giving us the background as to their finding the one cruise of kosher, of pure oil, oil that had not been defiled. So the Rambam says that the rabbis instituted that we light candles or lights for eight nights, al pisrei habatim, 
literally at the entrances of our homes each night of the eight nights. And listen to the next three words. Laharos ulegalos hanes. To reveal and to uncover the miracle. Now, what's going on here? Laharos, to show, that's understandable. When you put six candles in your window tonight, you are showing, demonstrating that a miracle took place. What's legalos? What is it that we are supposed to reveal? Reveal usually means to uncover that which is not so apparent. So Rav Salavechik, Zechrona Levracha, as has been transcribed and written in Sefer, Noraos Horav, and Rav Yitzchok Hutner in Pachad Yitzchok in his very last piece in Hanukkah called Rishima literally both of them Alpi Shnayim Edim two very trustworthy witnesses say a similar thought and that is that the lighting of Ner Hanukkah is reminding and teaching us that we are bringing Hashra'as Shechina, we're bringing literally the Divine Presence into our home. Where is this coming from? So, listen carefully. The Talmud in Shabbos 26a and Rashi in his commentary on Parshas Emor, where the Torah teaches, when right after the Torah finishes the Parsha of the Moadim in Emor, and the Torah then says, right after Sukkot, the Torah has the Parsha related to the Menorah, and where is the menorah placed, says the Torah? Michutz leparoches ha'edos. There was a curtain which separated the heichal, which had the menorah, the shulchan, the golden altar, from the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which had the ark. This Poroches is called Poroches Ho'edus. Why? So Rashi inciting the Gemara tells us because the menorah is Edus, its testimony, the Choba'e Olam to literally the entire world, Shashchino that the divine presence, Shorebi Yisrael, literally dwelled in Israel. How so? The Kohen in the evening would put the same amount of oil in each of the seven cups of the menorah, but the Ner Maharavi, the middle one, he would begin lighting that one first. And what would happen? In the morning, the other six 
would be extinguished, and this middle lamp would burn and burn and burn all day. The miracle of Hanukkah that we are familiar with was there in the Beis HaMikdash for hundreds of years on a daily basis. And this is called by our rabbis the Eidos testimony that God's presence is found in Israel. No other people in the world, just as no other people claim that God revealed himself to an entire nation at Sinai, so too here you have a miracle ongoing every day, which the skeptics and everybody must agree, wow, there is the Shekhinah present in Yisrael. These two great rabbis are teaching us that just as the lighting of the menorah in the Mikdash of old brought the Shekhinah into the Beis Mikdash, when we are privileged to light the menorah in our homes, as we have been doing and will do tonight, we too are bringing the Shekhinah into our homes. Wow! What an incredible privilege. But I really believe that once this is the case, it has a tremendous mechayev. It obligates us. It's a great privilege, but it's also a responsibility that we have to live up to it. How so? The Gemara teaches, for example, in Sota. Ish isha Sota Yud Zayin Man and woman, when they live harmoniously together, Shechina Shruya, literally God's presence is found there. It's not just nice Sheva Brachos Torah, it's reality. God is found in that home. And what does the Gemara say in Kedushin, the bottom of Lamid, 30, Amid Beis 30b at the bottom, Shlusha Shufim Heimbo Adam. There are three partners in the formation of man. Hakudish Baruchu Avivimo, God and father and mother. Now listen, Bisman Shadam Machabiris Avivimo, when one honors his parents, Umra Kudish Baruchu, God says, Whoa, you're not honoring not only honoring your parents, but you're also honoring me. And the Gemara continues on 31a in Kedushin and says, ouch, the flip side is also true. That what? God forbid if a person literally distresses and does not honor his father and mother. God says, I did the right thing in not living among them. Because had I lived among them, they would have distressed me as well. Shechina is in the home. And when Shechina is in the home, we have to conduct ourselves appropriately. What do we find in the parsha of Kiseitze? The Torah teaches us, and again, Rav Hirsch always 
points out that the Torah teaches in the extreme that even when the Jewish people are going to war, even in such an environment there has to be the high levels of morality, and literally there is not to be in your camp that which is a shameful thing, immoral, and what's going to happen if there is immorality brought into the home? Literally, God says, I will turn away from you. And so, what we have is such a great responsibility that parents have to make sure that in the Heichal, our homes become a sanctuary to make sure that you monitor properly as to what is being brought into your children's rooms, what's being brought into the den. Is there a filter on the computer? Just to at least make sure that we can try to provide for our children the healthiest kind of an environment. And what do we find, unfortunately, that what went on in the time of Hanukkah? What are we going to read from the Haftorah this Shabbos of Shabbos Hanukkah? There were three Nevi'im present at the time of the building of the second base Amigdash. And one of them was the Navi Zachariah. And what is the, we're told in chapter 3 of Zachariah, verse 3, that the Kohen Gadol was wearing Bigadim Soim, dirty garments. And what does the Talmud say in Sanhedrin Tzadi Gimel? That it doesn't mean literally that they weren't taken to the dry cleaner. No! It means that unfortunately his son had intermarried. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu was so upset and asking him to do his best to dissolve the marriage. And what do we find as well at the end of the Gemara Sukkah? Anun Vav Amid Beis, where the Mishnah speaks about the penalty that was given to the Mishmar of Bilga, and we're told about Miriam, who was a daughter coming from the Mishmar of Bilga, who became an apostate. And what did she do? She intermarried with one of the Greek officers. And once again, when the Yevonim came into the Heichal, Right? So what happened? She, at that time, was She scornfully kicked with her sandal on the top of the altar. And Lucas, Lucas, Admosai Ato, Mechale, Mamonon Shel Yisrael, poking fun and disparaging the Mizbeach, the Mizbeach, which is Mechaper, if we only realize what the Mizbeach meant, does, and will do for the Jewish people. But she was saying, Wolf, Wolf, how long will you consume the money of Israel? Disparaging remarks against coming from within. Nebach, assimilation was so rampant at that time. And unfortunately, that is exactly where we find ourselves today as well, with such terrible, rampant assimilation, that the message has to be 
look to the parsha and look to see how Yosef HaTzadik mentions God's name to Paro three times in the interpretation of dreams. Look to see how Yosef HaTzadik brings up an Ephraim Emanasha in Egypt in that kind of an environment. And then we see the positive examples of Shechina Shruya, of divine presence that is to be found in the home. I pray that we take the lesson of this Shabbos Hanukkah to heart and recognize and realize the privilege of bringing the Shekhinah into our homes, but on the other hand, the great responsibility that it puts on each and every one of us. Shabbat Shalom, a good Chodesh, and a Freilich Hanukkah to all. A menorah as we put out for all to see Each candle we light from left to right May brothers happily The window, the window Light it in the window On Hanukkah we all put the menorah in the window The window, menorah in the window On Hanukkah we all put the menorah in the window We must take care, we must beware Stay away from the flames While candles are lit, sit back a bit Fire's not a game the window, the window, we light it in the window. On Hanukkah, we all put the menorah in the window. The window, menorah in the window. On Hanukkah, we all put the menorah in the window. I am the shaman, straight and strong, the whole menorah I light. I am so tall, taller than all, and every Hanukkah night. The window, the window, we light it in the window. On Hanukkah, we all put the menorah in the window. The window, menorah in the window. On Hanukkah, we all put the menorah in the window. Some light candles, some light oil, where everyone will pass. They place the menorah outside the door and windows made of glass. The window, the window, we light it in the window. On Hanukkah, we all put the menorah in the window. J.M. and the A.M., some of the members of the United States delegation that uh, represented all of us in uh, in France are checking in with me this morning here at J.M. and the A.M. Just an incredible journey with an amazing message, and I thank all of you, all of you for your uh, encouragement and for the uh, incredible comments that we are getting uh, now that we are back here in the New Jersey area. Unbelievable. Friday morning broadcast. That's Uncle Maishi, and I think if I have it correct, isn't Uncle Maishi performing this weekend? Let me see if I can find this information. Meanwhile, oh, yeah, I think I have it right here. Um, Uncle Maishi is going to be um, part of a big Hanukkah celebration. <sighs> have the details for you in a moment. Here we go. Uh, here's how it works. For those of you anxious for some Uncle Maishi Hanukkah concerts, in Flatbush, Brooklyn, excuse me, in Borough Park, Brooklyn, this coming Sunday at Anche Sfard, 45th Street and 14th Avenue that begins at 1.30. Monday will be two shows at the Yeshiva Flatbush on East 10th Street. 
12.30 and 2.30. So again, this Sunday, Anche Sfard, Uncle Maishi Hanukkah concert with Cousin Nachum and the Magical Mordechai. Uh, that happens at 1.30 p.m. on Sunday at 45th Street and 14th Avenue. Monday, two performances at the Yeshiva Flatbush on East 10th Street, 12.30 and 2.30. UncleMaishi.com, JewishTickets.com has the tickets, information at either of those uh, locations. Erev Shabbos Parshas Miketz, it's Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, it's Erev Shabbos Chanukah, three Sifrei Torah, a time of miracles. Hope you're enjoying your Chanukah 5776. Candle lighting at 409, Chanukah candles before that. The brand new edition of Table for Two is already up on our website. If you like watching it, go to NahumSiegel.com, and I see there are a lot of great videos from Paris. The programming we did from uh, from Paris up at NahumSiegel.com, so enjoy those. But of course, don't forget, coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of Table for Two. Uh, today, she'll feature uh, Dawn Lerman, a cookbook author, and Maspia Kitchen founder Alexander Rappaport, plus Chef Esther An- Anzarut, proprietor of GlutenFree.sy. All of that, all three guests, part of Naomi Nachman's Table for Two, coming up next, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream, JM in the AM. Dot org and of course on the NSN app. Uh, the Arab Shabbos music mix. Kedem brings that to you all the way until candle lighting time. Saturday night Siegel with Avrami starts at nine tomorrow night. Great Jewish music plus Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler and the Torah portion. That's all uh, tomorrow night between nine and ten with Avrami. Eternal Flame with Harry Jacobson at ten. Headlines with David Lichtenstein at eleven. JM Sunday with Matis coming up at seven on Sunday morning. Featuring great music, morning chizuk, news from Israel, and plenty more. And I thank Matis again. Uh, for his leadership uh, all through the last week. And uh, a big thank you to our entire JMM staff and the entire NSN team for a job well done. 8.46, 14 minutes before 9 o'clock on this Erev Shabbos Hanukkah, Rosh Chodesh. Could you believe it? It is unbelievable. Uh, more coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. This is a Hanukkah selection from Sam Glazer.
Sam Glazer with his Ma'os Tzor here at JM in the AM. Oh, yes. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Hanukkah continues. We are on day number five, getting ready for an amazing Shabbos Hanukkah, Rosh Chodesh, with three Sifrei Torah and an incredible and wonderful holiday experience that I hope everybody is appreciating and enjoying. Monday is when Hanukkah ends. Zos Hanukkah is Monday, the final lighting on Sunday night. And... um I want to thank again everybody who has been reacting. It seems that uh, every few minutes we get more and more reaction to what happened in Paris and the unity between Israel, the United States, and Europe that came forth and came through through our actions and through our statements, the international impression that was made by everybody who was part of this incredible group um, in the center of Europe and in the most significant Jewish community in Europe on Wednesday night of Hanukkah. Just unbelievable. JM in the AM, we continue with more Hanukkah selections. We get set to wrap up a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Uh, coming up, Naomi Nachman with Table for Two, the brand new edition, as we mentioned. And an amazing day on our stream, of course, at jmintheam.org and on the NSN app. Our recommendation is you just keep it going. Keep it on the entire time. You'll be glad you did. Here to Yeshiva Boys at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Erev Shabbos Hanukkah, Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh with candle lighting at 4.09. Light those Hanukkah candles before the Shabbos candles and get ready for a beautiful Shabbos. As we say, it's time to say good Shabbos with Journeys and J.M. in the A.M.
Israel and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course, on the NSN app. That goes for everybody in the nation of Israel, no matter where on the globe they might be. Happy Chanukah, Chag Urim Sameach, Afreilach and Chanukah, a wonderful holiday to everybody. Enjoy Shabbos, Chanukah, Rosh Chodesh. Great programming starts right after Havdalah with us here at jmnam.org for the brand new week. Make sure to tune into Matis and JM Sunday starting 7 o'clock Sunday morning and Saturday night Seagull with Avrami starting tomorrow night at 9. Coming up next, it's Naomi Nachman, a brand new edition of Table for Two, and the video is already up at NachumSiegel.com. And, of course, all day long, the Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix. Have a wonderful Shabbos, a great weekend, and a happy Hanukkah. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.